Good morning, Resurrection family. We welcome you to our worship experience. Whether you are watching online or you are right here in person in the sanctuary, we thank God for you. If you are online, we encourage you to share this broadcast with your family, with your friends, so that they can tune in and be blessed on this morning. Well, today is the day before the end of Black History Month, where we celebrate and acknowledge the achievements of African Americans in the United States. But we at Resurrection, we recognize that black history is not limited to February. We wanna make sure that we acknowledge the contributions of our African-American brothers and sisters historically and even internally. You know, we've had some great people who have done some significant things throughout their years, even at Resurrection. We wanna celebrate you, we wanna acknowledge you. In fact, can we just thank God for all the people who have, who have made first achievements, whether they were first in corporate, in the military, in nonprofit sectors. Can we just thank God for all the contributions of our African-American brothers and sisters in resurrection? Let's thank God for them even right now. We thank God for you and we wanna acknowledge you. If you have done something significant over your time working in corporate or the military, send it in to us. In fact, Pastor Joe, our congregational care pastor is collecting those, uh, in, that information so that we can share it on social media and make sure that we recognize the heroes that are right here in Resurrection. Send your story or your picture and story to congregationalcare at myrbconline.com and we'll do our best to get your story out there of what God has done in your life. Thank God for you and appreciate you. Well, let's get into worship. We're ready to worship. The praise team is ready to come and lift us higher, take us before the very presence of God through praise and worship. And then Pastor Brown is coming to continue his sermon series, Reset. This series has been a tremendous blessing to us and we thank God for Pastor Brown preaching the gospel truth with this series called Reset. Let's grab our Bibles, let's get ready to praise the Lord, and we thank you again for joining us here at Resurrection. Good morning, Resurrection Baptist Church. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus as we shout in the sanctuary this morning, as we shout at this tabernacle this morning. Do I have any witnesses this morning? that you came to shout with the voice of triumph. Come on, let's give God a Shabbat praise. Come on. Let me hear you Shabbat the Lord. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. Oh, come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Let me hear you celebrate him. Let me hear you celebrate Jesus. We come to shout.
celebrate the king this morning. I speak overflow in Jesus' name. Lift your hands and say, overflow, overflow. Oh, good. 
Father, we thank you. You've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. So many doors you've opened, so many ways you've made, so many times you've healed us. You've been truly good. And Lord, right now, we want to thank you, not just because you've been good. We want to thank you for just being God. You're God all by yourself. You don't need anybody else. You have the solution to all of our world's problems. Even in spite of what's going on in our world right now, you are still good and you are still on the throne. We thank you, we acknowledge you, we praise you, we, we honor you in, in Jesus' name, Lord. We pray right now that during this time and during this moment that you would hide us behind your cross. In fact, penalize not these people for the lack of this person. Speak through us and allow us the privilege of speaking your word that the words of our mouth the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight our strength our redeemer our healer our provider in Jesus name we pray amen and amen, amen. give your God another great big hand of praise amen come on and give me a hand of applause for our awesome praise and worshipers I do it every Sunday, but because they bless me every Sunday, I'm, amen. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but don't you feel a different shift in anointing since we've been back and we've come together in our worship experience, that God has truly given us a reset even in our worship. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for them. Y'all may be seated for just a moment, just a moment. Amen. Uh, don't uh, come to the edge of seats because you're going to get back up in just a minute. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, team. Amen. Y'all doing such a marvelous job. And they look good, too, don't they? Amen. Amen. God has been good to us. We thank God for all the things that's going on in life by church. We do want to encourage you to stay connected. If you're not, um, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Now, you know we need to get connected. If, you, if you're not receiving emails and, and notifications and stuff, it's because you're not in uh, our CCB and all that other stuff. And I can't really explain it over. I, ain't got enough, I don't have enough time. I almost went country. I ain't got enough. I ain't got enough time. Amen. To explain all that to you. But um, certainly go to our website and you can find all the stuff that you need because things are happening this year. We're anticipating some great things and some new things. Amen. Amen. We're concluding today our series on reset. We're going to conclude that. Uh, we talked about faith. We talked about failure. We talked about finances, friendship. And last week we talked about fellowship. Today we're going to talk about family. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we are family. Amen. Brothers, brothers, listen real closely. And this word today is 
it may bless you. Amen. Sisters, sisters, listen real carefully. Amen. It, it may bless you. Take notes if you want to. This is the one sermon that you can go home and say you should have been there. Amen. Mm. Didn't get too much. Y'all already responded like they did over at the rock. All right. Stand on your feet. Let us go to God. Amen. Let's go to the word in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 beginning at verse 3. Proverbs 24, verse 3, and I'm going to read into your hearing verses 3 and 4, and we're reading from the NIV. It says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, reset your family. You may be seated in the presence of God. Thank you. Amen. Family is God's idea. It's not your invention. It's not something that just happens by accident. It is designed to be a place of security, stability, and safety. However, building a dynamic family can be an incredible, challenging experience. The explosion of divorce rates along with the rise of step families, blended families, unrelated guardians, unmarried couples, surrogate mothers and grandparents serving as primary caretakers have left many of us scratching our heads over what this thing called family is supposed to be. And the truth is there's never been, hear me, a golden age when the family was perfect. Families today are facing some incredible challenges and changes at an unprecedented rate. Gary Collins, in his book entitled Family Shock, points out that in spite of all the changes and challenges that families are going through that disrupts family life, God is still aware of what's going on and God is still in control. The majority of families are not seriously dysfunctional, he goes on to say, and that most kids do not become the adult children of dysfunctional family backgrounds or in need of recovery. No family is perfect and without problems. No family is not without periodic crisis. All parents make mistakes. Go on, look at your neighbor and say, Whoosh, I thought it was just me. He says that we can raise kids successfully even if we don't have all the answers. Even good parents sometimes raise rebellious kids, and bad parents sometimes have healthy, very well-adjusted kids. So when things are not going well in your family, that does not mean all is hopeless. It does not mean that all is not well, because hear me when I say this, this too will pass. We don't understand and, and we won't understand everything that happens to us or in our families, but I can give you this assurance today that God cares about our families. And the key lesson that we need to learn here is this. How do we reset them? How do we reset our families so that they are not fragile but flexible and able to stand firm in the storms of life. I got some clues real quickly, but let me just begin by saying this. Building a dynamic family, building a strong family takes faith, it takes courage, it takes work, it takes energy and creativity because God promises in Psalms 37 that as we delight ourselves in God, God will give us the desires of our hearts. Family is God's idea. Family is God's design. It was designed to be the place of security and safety and environment, a place where nurturing takes place, a place where children are blessed and born, a place where love unfolds on a daily basis, where encouragement is dished out in large doses, a place where discipline is found and respect is taught, a place 
that changes and adapts over time. A dynamic family must be a fortress and not a facade. And God wants us to build families that will stand the test of time. And the critical question that I need to ask you before we go any further, how can we get it done? I got permission. Someone just asked me to tell you all, so I'm going to share with you some common clues and characteristics that I believe that if we adopt them and apply them to our lives, all of us can build families that are dynamic. Uh, you ready to be blessed? One of the characteristics, the number one, in fact, it's, it's not in chronological order, but you can use this as the number one uh, place to begin. Number one, if you want to have a dynamic family, dynamic families share a strong sense of commitment. Say commitment. Okay, that didn't blow your mind, but let me explain because for many of you all that sounds very obvious, uh, but you'd be amazed at the number of people who don't understand what commitment is or what it means to be in a committed relationship. So since I am the resident theologian standing up here, I think I'll explain it to you. In these days of disposable marriage, throwaway relationships, uh, an alarming number of people create relationships and families with the superficial notion of what commitment is all about. And here's how they think about commitment. If it works out, fine. If it doesn't, I'm out. Strong, dynamic families require commitment, and if nothing else, commitment is the assurance that in your family, you will value each other. Y'all still ain't getting it. I got a man here, three there, maybe 20 in the back. But here it is. In this idea of commitment, it simply means that we're going to do as much as possible everything together and stay together for a lifetime no matter what. Okay, I'm glad y'all were quiet because everybody need to hear this. We're going to stay together no matter what. I got to look around and see who all here today. Just in case somebody come, Pastor, I got to make an appointment. That means whatever problems are faced, they're faced together. Whatever challenges are encountered, they are encountered together. Whatever storms are met, they are met together. Strong families are committed to each other no matter what. And if you are a parent, let me suggest to you that there are at least two ways that you can convey this sense of commitment to your children. The first way that you do it to your children is to remind them frequently that they are a blessing and not a burden. Because in this generation, uh, uh, children and young people have been labeled by researchers uh, as the unwanted generation. And too often in our family conversations and in the media, the underlying message that's being communicated or interpreted to our children and youth or our youth is that they are, un, they are an unwanted expense, an untimely interruption, and a, a, a tolerated interference in our otherwise lofty life pursuits. But I got to share with you something today, and that's something that you already know. Uh, no child is an accident. We are all here on purpose. As, as parents, we've got to convey over and over and over again throughout their lifetime, even when they get grown, that they need to know that you are a blessing and not a burden. It's our responsibility as parents to make sure that before our children go out from the nest, that they know they are valued, they are significant, they are important, they are loved. You need to let them know that no matter who does not value you, you are valued here because you are valuable. Preach, Pastor Brown. When was the last time that you said those three words, where Stevie Wonder, when you need him? I love you to your children. 
When was the last time they heard you say that? When was the last time that you pulled your child close to you and gave them a hug? I remember my boys, all three of them, when they were smaller, we would, I would give them a kiss before they went to bed. As they got older, they'd be, Lord, I kiss them anyway. Because I want to let them know that, that, that their father loves them. I wish I had somebody here. And that they are a blessing and not a burden. But not only should you remind them of that, but number two, teach them that they are loved unconditionally. We live in a very achievement-oriented society where significance equals performance and importance equals ability and self-worth equals achievement. And all of us want our children to achieve and to aspire and to perform and, and to do well, but th there's nothing wrong with that. But when achievement becomes the measuring stick for our expression of love, something is dreadfully wrong. Can I ask you a question real quickly? Parents, do your children know that there is nothing more they could ever do to be more loved by you because you already love them with a love that cannot be measured? Do they know that there is nothing more that they have to do or can do to be accepted by you because they are already totally accepted by you in your heart, in your mind, and life? Do they know that there is nothing that they can do to ever be more valued by you because they are already infinitely valuable? You need to love and, 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 and your children because, listen, uh, nothing will alienate a child more than making them work for your love and to have to earn your love. Love that ought to be given to them freely. You need to love them and value them. Uh, give them identity and self-worth. All those things are gifts that should be freely given to your children from you with no strings attached. Somebody ought to shout no strings attached. You raise your children with conditional love. No wonder they grow up and become the adults that they become. They will always feel like they have to do something for you to, in order to make you proud. They end up becoming workaholics and overachievers. Feel like they've never done enough to, uh, to, to matter. And, and on the other hand, they, they, they'll either just give up or quit and throw in the towel and cash in the chips. Don't try because they believe that they'll never be approved, no matter what they do anyway. Never, ever try to motivate your children by making their achievements a measuring stick for your love. Comparing them to others. See how Johnny is? Look at, the, look at old Johnny. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? <laughs> your child is not their child. Because you're not that child's mama or daddy. That child is who that child is because their mama and daddy is who they are. And you have the child that you have because you are who you are. And God would not have given them to you if he didn't think you could handle them. So never compare your child with another child. The best way to motivate a child is to find out what they are good at and encourage them in doing that. Stop trying to remake them into the person that you wanted to be. I'm just throwing out some nuggets. You can be proud of your child even if you're displeased with your child. If your child brings home only D's and F's, uh-oh, you still need to love that child as if though he made A's and B's. Oh, y'all getting quiet now. I'm talking about commitment that's unconditional. That's what commitment looks like. That's the first thing that dynamic families have to have in common is commitment. Say commitment. I got to move on because y'all treating me, you know, strange. Yeah. But there's a second characteristic that all dynamic families share. Here it is. It's called communion. Say communion. In a recent survey, over 1,500 children were asked, what is it that makes families happy? And over 90% of them gave the same answer. It wasn't Xbox. It wasn't PlayStation. It wasn't Netflix. It wasn't movies. It, 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 it wasn't a big house. It wasn't more money. Guess what it was? Doing things together. 
I'm trying to help somebody. It's a whole lot less expensive. Doing things together. Somebody's saying, well, preacher, you, are you talking about quantity or are you talking about quality? I'm talking about both. Because one of the biggest fallacies, y'all, one of the biggest falsehoods, one of the biggest false bill of goods that we've ever been sold these days is that it doesn't matter how much time you spend as long as it's quality time. But that's not true. It does matter. You've got to get some quantity in because if there's no quantity, there's no quality. Time together is how you get to know each other in, in deep and significant and meaningful ways. Every parent here today can identify the fact that if you spend enough time with your child, you know when they lie. I wish I had some help here. Yeah. The reason why some of us don't know our children because they, you ain't. And you my son. Okay. We live in the same house. You can't know them if you don't hang out with them. You show how much you love by spending time with those that matter most to you. And I'm not just talking about on Facebook. Some of us put stuff on Facebook look like we just got the best family in the world. I'm talking about the time that you spend that nobody knows but you and your family. And, and couples, remember this. Remember this, couples, that God made the two to become one. Okay, somebody got that. Somebody didn't. Somebody got, listen. Somebody said it like this, that marriage is like two horses pulling a wagon. They need to be together. They need to stay together and have one mind going in the same direction in order to accomplish anything. One. One respected marital therapist said that every couple should try to practice at least five magical moments together on a daily basis. Can I give it to you? Five magical moments. This is for free. This, this is something you would pay a lot of money to get, and you're getting it for free. Look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm, I'm pulling up my seat because I, I need this. Five magical moments. Here it is. Here it is. You ready? ready? Number one, number one, number one. The first one is you ought to part on a positive note. Don't leave each other without a conversation and a kiss. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. A kiss. Oh, yeah. No, no I, a kiss is not even qualified as a kiss unless it lasts for six seconds. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> When they get ready to walk, come on back over here. Come on back over here. <laughs> Pecs don't count. Y'all writing this down? That's number one. That's number one. Number one. It gets better. It gets, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Number two, you need to reconnect with each other at the end of the day with a conversation and a kiss. Some of y'all didn't get that kiss before you left the house today. So, on the way to church. I'll be, I'm, I'm going to go worship the Lord. Just walk straight out the house. <laughs> Ain't going to come back. And the pastor said. <laughs> y'all don't even know how much this will help you because of the stuff that's getting ready to come out the other person's mouth. Hey, come over here. Let me kiss you first. Now, what was you getting ready to say? Oh, I forgot now. <laughs> Number three, number three, number three. Number three, you ready? Don't go to bed. Try to go to bed on a positive note, not a negative note. First of all, you get better sleep. That's, you know, you don't even need Tylenol for that. Go to bed on a, that means avoid arguments before, y'all not hearing me, before. Before bedtime. Don't wait till 10.30. And I got to ask you something. Just tired of this. Your socks. Every week we go over the same thing. 
just don't go to sleep mad. Make a conscious effort to let go of the day's irritation. Get it resolved way before bedtime. Y'all want number four? You ready? You sure? Are y'all enjoying this? Here's number four. Here's number four. I'm telling you to get in this for free. Number four, show appreciation and give compliments every day. I need somebody to repeat it over and over. Until somebody, cause look at your neighbor and say, I know you didn't hear the pastor. But if, I, if he said what I think he said, show appreciation and make compliments. I just love that. Is that a new hairstyle? just want to tell you, I, I want to thank you for how you washed those dishes today. I was watching how you put them in the dishwasher and... Can't nobody do it like you. You press that on button. <laughs> I was noticing how you was taking the trash out. And ooh, you walked by me. And when I saw you, I know that was a car. <laughs> his last one, his last one. I'm through, I, I don't need to preach the rest of this sermon, do I? Number five, number five, number five, number five, number five. I ain't even got to my points yet, but this is, these are sub points. Number five, y'all ready for this one? Set aside a date night every week. I got three people who are already doing it. The rest of my church needs to come down to the altar right now. Let me lay hands on I want y'all to, to line up and let me lay hands on you. Set a date night every, listen, Set a date night every, every week, every week, and during that date night, spend at least two hours talking one-on-one. -on -one. If you got to, turn the phone off. Because, y'all, it's the little stuff that really counts. Time together, time together says that you are a priority in my life, that I'm not taking you for granted. Y'all, this stuff right here helps you to not have to go through all the turmoil of trying to make it work so hard. Listen, there's absolutely no substitute for time. We can't neglect the people that we love for months and months and year in and year out. And then once a year go to Disney World or Six Flags and think that's going to turn things around. We just came from Cancun. So we back. Dynamic families are what? Committed. Secondly, they commune. Thirdly, they constantly work on communication. Y'all knew that was going to come, didn't you? Can I tell you something? It matters not how long you've been in a family. Communication is always going to be a challenge. I don't care how long you've been married. But if there's going to be any sense of joy, compatibility, or companionship in your relationship, in your marriage, or in the home, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. Work. W-O-R-K. Work constantly on your ability to communicate. Because just because you're talking don't mean that you're communicating. You could talk all day long, but if what you said and what I heard are two different things, we've not effectively communicated. There was this kid, he was, on, he was away in college, he came home. His dad said to him, he said, well, son, man, how is school? He's good. How are your grades? Fine. How's the food on campus? All right. How you like your apartment? It's okay. What are you majoring in? Communication. So where did you learn how to communicate like that? You. Y'all did a little bit better. He grew up in the house where his mother was always asking his dad questions.
questions, and his father always answered the same kind of one-word, monotone responses. We've got to learn how to communicate, y'all. Here's what I've learned, that 80% of our waking hours, y'all, 80% of our waking hours are spent communicating in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Strong, dynamic families are held together by good communication. Communication communication is discussing the burdens of my heart. It's opening the windows of my soul. It, it's, it's sharing what I truly think and, and what I truly feel with respect, with honor, with love. Sometimes it's verbal. Sometimes it's nonverbal. And y'all know sometimes nonverbal communication is just as powerful as verbal. All of us need a little help in that area. So how do we build it? How do we become, how, how, how do we become good communicators? How do we build good communication skills? I'm a preacher. I tell people all the time, I have a problem with really true communication. Oh, yeah. I can preach. I can teach. I can share. But communication is not speaking. Communication begins with listening. Don't look at me strange. Because in order to be a good communicator, you've got to first be a good listener. Most of us talk too much. I'm going to leave it right there. Just, just pull up straight. Talk too much and listen too little. And it's very difficult, y'all, to talk and listen at the same time. And if we're honest, some of us are guilty of just listening for a break in the conversation. You through? Okay, okay, okay. Now let me tell you. We're not really paying attention to what the other person is saying. We, we just wait for them to take a breath. So we can say, now well, let me tell you this. And we've got to work, y'all, hard on trying to hone good listening skills. A lot of people try to talk and listen at the same time, but the key to being a good communicator is learning to be a good listener. Yeah. Amen? Jan Peterson, in an article entitled The Five Musts of Intentional Listening, says, number one, you have to listen with a purpose. And the purpose must be trying to connect with the person who's speaking and find out about their reality and see the world through their eyes. Listening with a purpose. Number two, we've got to practice listening for understanding and not for evaluation. Try to understand who's speaking. Stop trying to evaluate because we're already hardwired to evaluate everything. If you're a preacher, you really got a problem with this because you're always trying to evaluate. And therefore, whenever somebody is engaged in conversation with us, they, they, they're trying to express frustration, fear, anger, or upset or even difference of opinion, and we tend to overreact. Communication should not be combat. Listen for understanding. And then thirdly, thirdly, be aware of words that push your buttons. And disconnect the wires in advance. Fourthly, concentrate on what the person is trying to say despite distractions in the environment. I wish I could explain all these to you, but in other words, just try to give them your undivided attention. You can't communicate if you're still watching the TV. Hold on, hold on. Let me see what score doing. Someone said it like this. It doesn't do much good to go fishing when it's convenient. You got to go when the fish are biting. Fifthly, fifthly, here's the last one. Fifthly, recognize that listening may be the key to your success. Listening builds relationships while ignoring each other tears them down. Heard someone say a long time ago, you got two ears and one mouth. That means you ought to be listening twice as much as you talk. So work on being a good listener. It will help you to communicate because dynamic families have a strong sense of commitment, a strong sense of communion, a strong sense of communication, but they also have, here's, here's number four, 
They have a strong sense of developing coping skills. Coping skills. Every family has problems. Stop thinking that you're the only family that's going through what you're going through. Good friend of mine, Pastor Paul Shepard, one of my friends and brother who shares the radio station with me, talks about the 80-20 rule. Hear me well, sisters. Hear me well. Sisters, any man you find at his best is 80% of what you're looking for. Brothers, any sister you find at her best is 80% of what you're looking for. And here's how we mess up, y'all. We mess up when we've been together for so long, we start concentrating on the 20% they're not and forget about the 80% they are. And a lot of us have thrown away 80% brothers and ended up with a 20% situation. Can I get a witness? And we've done that because we've not developed any coping skills. Families stay together. Families that stay together have developed effective coping mechanisms. They've learned how to handle, navigate, and manage negativity. They've learned how to manage that 20% that they don't like. There's always something you don't like. We've got to learn how to attack the problem and not the person. Every family has its problems dating all the way back to Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden. I know y'all heard the story. Every night Adam would come home from work. Eve would stop him at the door and start counting his ribs. And say, I'm just checking. Some got it, some didn't. Uh. <laughs> I, if, you don't got, if you don't understand that one, I ain't got time to explain it to you. Okay. There will be conflict. Say it with me, conflict. It's natural. Say it's natural. It's normal. Say it's normal. I'm trying to help y'all. Listen, you don't have to be depressed about going through stuff because everybody else is going through stuff too. Some of them are going through worse than what you're going through, but you've got to learn how to cope. Heard one fella say one time, he said, man, we've been together 10 years and we ain't never had an argument. I said, well, you need counseling immediately. <laughs> because if y'all been together that long and y'all agree on everything, one of y'all ain't necessary. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> and in developing coping skills, watch this. Be careful who you get advice from. Just because they go to your church, that don't mean nothing. Everybody in your life is not interested in building up your family. Stop putting your stuff out there to everybody. Some people would love to see it fall and see it torn down. It kind of reminds me of a story about this guy. He had been married seven years. Seventh year of his marriage. Now the, the, the new car smell was gone. It, <laughs> newness of the relationship had just worn completely off. You, you, know, you know how it is. Once, once you discover that he ain't going to never put his clothes in the hamper. <laughs> this ain't going to happen. She going to always squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. Trash overflowing. You know trash day was yesterday, right? <laughs> he never going to do this. She never going to do that. And so this guy and his wife were having problems, and he started talking to his buddies at work. Can I tell you what they said? You didn't hear it from me. But they said... Go home, and you need to show her who's the boss. You need to man up. Let her know that you're the king in your castle. You, you, you the rooster on the yard. You, you the 
You're the big dog, dog. <laughs> she shouldn't be telling you what to do in the first place. Go home and you need to put your foot down. And that brother listened. Can I tell you the rest of the story? <laughs> he went home. He told his wife after he slammed the door, got all up in her face, and said, there are going to be some changes around here. From now on, <laughs> I'm giving out orders, and you taking orders. And when I get home, my dinner better be on the table. My clothes need to be laid out. I'm going to hang out with my boys, and I'm going to hang out as long as I want. And you stay home and wait till I get back and don't say nothing. By the way, one more thing. Who's going to tie my tie? She said, oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the undertaker. Be careful who's giving you advice. It could mean a matter of life and death. <laughs> Dynamic families communicate. Dynamic families have communion. They have communication. They have coping skills. And here's the last one. You can go home with this. And, 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 and just so we'll have a little church, I want to leave you with this one. They have a sense. They share a sense of consecration. Say consecration. There's no way to have a truly dynamic family without giving God first place. There is something to going to church, to attending church, to being involved in the church because it helps you. Listen, as you grow closer to God, you grow closer to each other. Now, Matthew 6 and 33 has given us the order. Jesus says, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and all these things. Okay, let me refrain because I try to tell y'all this is the shouting part of the sermon. Everything else might have been comic relief, but this is the shouting part. So let me say it again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. Okay, this row over here, this, this side over here. This is the shouting part of the sermon. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all. Okay, I'm not saying it right. Okay, let me say it backwards. All these things, if you seek first the kingdom. Okay, over here, y'all still wondering what the things are? A new car, a new house, a new job. Okay, but that's material, but joy, happiness, peace, contentment, fulfillment, sleep in the midnight hour, strength and energy in the morning satisfaction health all Jesus did not mess around with words he didn't say some of these things he said all these things and there's no greater gift that you can give to your children than to let them know that you know who God is is there anybody who knows who he is Reminds me of these two little boys who were playing together. They, these little boys were playing as little boys often do. And one of them said to the other, my daddy knows the mayor. The other one looked at him and said, there ain't nothing. My, my daddy knows the governor. The other one looked at him and said, well, that ain't nothing either because my daddy knows God. He doesn't, does not, does too, does not, does too, does not. He said, well, how do you know that your daddy knows God? He said, because I heard him talk to him this morning. Is there anybody... I, I need some witnesses. Don't, don't even act like you shame. Don't, I need some Christians who are not trying to be secret Christians. Do you know who God is? There's no greater gift that you can give to your children than for them to know that their daddy and their mama knows who God is. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to shout. You're going to sit down for just one moment because I got to share this with you real quickly because you got to understand something, and you already know this, that a relationship with God is what gets you through the tough times. 
Every principle that I shared with you doesn't mean anything if you don't have a relationship with God because there are going to be some moments when some of these principles just won't even come together. There are going to be some moments when it feels like you can't get working out and, and, and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. There will be moments when there seems to be no progress. We're not getting anywhere. But in those moments, church, hear me, if you know who God is, when you know that you know that you know God will be your counselor. God will be your mediator. God will be your emancipator. God will be your liberator. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. One last story, one last story, one last story. This daughter went to talk to her father because her marriage was in trouble. She was complaining to her father. She didn't think that things were going to work out, how hard things was and how bad things was. And, and, and she didn't think they were going to make it. Her father didn't say a word. He just took her to the kitchen, pulled out three pots, put some water in the pots, and put them on the, 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 oven, the stove, turned the fire all the way up, bought, uh, brought it all to a boil, put in one pot carrots, put in the other pot some eggs, and in the other pot he put some coffee beans. He boiled them, took them off the stove, drained the pots, poured the coffee in a cup, asked her daughter, what do you see? She said, I see carrots, eggs, and coffee. She, he said to her, feel the carrots. She said, he said to her, what do you feel? She said, feel, feel, feel soft. Then he gave her the egg. He said, break the egg. He said, what do you feel? She was peeling off the shell of that egg. It's a hard-boiled egg. He said, she said to her, sip some of that coffee. She sipped the coffee. And after she sipped the coffee, she made a frown. It was so strong. She said, Daddy, what's your point? I came to talk about my marriage. And you put before me this gourmet cuisine and spread. He said, baby girl, you don't understand. Each of them faced the same adversity. 212 degrees of boiling water, but each one responded differently. He said, you see that carrot? It went in hard and unrelenting, but in the half water, it became soft and weak. And the egg... It went in, you know, with a fragile shell and some liquid inside. It was delicate, and that shell was protecting the liquid center. But after getting in the hard water, it became hard. After getting in all that, that hot water, it became hard. But the longer they were in there, the, it changed all of them. But this coffee, he said, coffee beans are unique. Coffee, there's something unique about coffee. He said, because as that coffee got in the hot and boiling water, it got stronger and richer. And baby, here's what I need you to understand. You've got to decide that when adversity knocks on your door, the question is, will you wilt like the carrot? Will you get hard like the egg? Or will you become strong like the coffee? Because coffee is best when it's in hot water. I wish I had somebody who will help me here. Are there any hot water saints that came to the church campus today that when things are at your worst, that's when God is at his best? That when you are at your lowest, that's when you raise your praise to its highest. That when people talk about you, that's when you act like, hey, ah, trouble is in my way, but trouble don't last always. That when the hour is darkest, it's right before the brightest. That when trials in the greatest, that's when the hope is the strongest. When things look like they're falling apart, that you know how to wait on God. Are there any waiters in the house? I said, are there any waiters on the house? Because I read somewhere that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. They'll mount up with wings like an eagle. Are there any waiters here? Is there anybody here who's waiting on the Lord? Wait. I say on the Lord, yeah, won't he do it, won't he will, is there anybody here?
can testify that he'll make a way out of no way. He'll open doors that seem to close. Say yeah. Come on and celebrate yourself right now. Hallelujah. I'm through. You don't mind stand wherever you are right now in the house. What an incredible on-time word once again from Pastor Brown. Thank you, Pastor, for helping us to reset. Let me let me recap. We've reset our failures, our finances, our faith, our fellowship, our friendships, and even our families. Did you know that God loves us so much that He wants us to reset in all of those areas? And that He gives us the capacity to be able to do so. Let me tell you how. It's as simple as A, B, and C. A, admit that you need God and without him you are lost in sin. B, believe that Jesus is the son of God and died for your sins. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord and is one day coming back for us. That's it, that's all it takes to reset your life. And we've made joining this church and becoming a part of God's family really easy for each and every one of you. We invite you to take out your phone and text the word JOIN to 830-689-8074. We will then connect you with one of our sharers and they will tell you how to become part of the family. If you're sending that text or you sent it already, we welcome you to Resurrection. Now, before we go, we once again want to thank each and every one of you for your continued generosity towards this ministry. You can continue to sow your financial gift by giving through PushPay. If you haven't already downloaded the app, you can download it and find Resurrection, or you can click the Give link on the church website, or you can mail it in or drop it off to our church location. We thank you so much for joining us today. Listen, we encourage you, if you're not doing anything this Wednesday, this Wednesday at seven o'clock we encourage you to join us right here online for our word on wednesday our midweek we're calling it word on wednesday and we are going to talk about the fruit of the spirit these next several weeks we're talking about the fruit of the spirit you do not want to miss word on wednesday seven o'clock right here online god bless you and keep you is our prayer we will see you right here next week